Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Everybody doing good? I'm chuckling a little bit because first service, my wife was sitting next to me at first service, and she said, I want that dress. I'm like, what are you talking about? And it was a dress in the very first, one of the first scenes. She's like, I like that dress. I was like, all right, whatever. Well, then I got to chuckling, and you heard me chuckling just a minute ago, because they got to the part and when Keith goes accessorizing, and Gina, I mean, she just out of nowhere, she goes, I'm telling you, she goes, when you feel good, when you look good, you feel good. How many people know when you look good, you feel good? That's, that's three people. That was awesome. Let's try that again. How many people know when you look good, you feel good? There you go. That's what I'm talking about. So, and y'all look good today. Well, we're in a series. We're going to start a series today uh, called We. And um, it's interesting because back in February, right before I went on my sabbatical, um, I came up with this idea. I, I pitched it the last part of last year to our creative team. And I just said, we need to do a great job over the next couple years of just our core values. We had a lot of slogans around here. We can talk about the perfect church for imperfect people. We talk about, you know, life change matters. But do people really know what our vision at Journey is? And it's the engage people in process of knowing Jesus. And I said, well, we need to make, so we had these 10 core values. We got to make it easy for people to understand. And so we literally sat down for about three or four weeks. We got the staff together. We talked about it. We, we kind of just kind of prayed over it, And we came up with this concept of these we statements. And so the first two weeks of February, when I was here, I spoke on what I'm going to speak about today, a little different message. And then I spoke on um, the next part of it. And then and then uh, Pastor Allen uh, spoke on the last two weeks. And then if you remember correctly, COVID hit the next week. And so we kind of like, oh my God, what are we gonna do? And so I feel like we never got a chance to cure the cement of who we are and what we stand for. And today we're gonna be taking a look at that one concept. And there again, I'm gonna do all uh, the four weeks we're gonna talk about this week, but we, we surrender. And, and what we talk about is we surrender to God's word and we surrender to God's word. And when we surrender to God's word, life change happens or transformation happens. Something about being led to Jesus through God's holy word, holy scriptures, it changes us. And, and here's why it's important because there is so many different things out there that are kind of biding for our time or trying to draw us or pull us in different directions. And a lot of it, if you want to know the truth, is not truth. It's, it's, it's pretty easy to understand. You can get on Facebook or you can get on Instagram. You can watch the news. There's a lot of lies being told to us about everything that's going on. Whether it's about COVID, we don't know who to believe anymore. Whether it's about the political race, we don't know who to believe anymore. Whether it's about this candidate locally or that candidate locally, we don't know. So so there's a lot of fake stuff out there. And it made me think because my wife occasionally sends me uh, to the grocery store. And so I love grocery shopping. Um, it's been proven that when I go grocery shopping, our grocery bill goes up ex uh, exponentially. And because I don't know how to get anything like, it's like, ooh, Captain Crunch. And she'll go, no, no, we don't, we don't eat Captain Crunch and stuff. Well, we don't, but we do. <laughs> And so I come home and I like, like she gets the cheap steaks and I get the, the, the expensive steaks. Anybody else men, men do that? So she decided that uh, in order to keep our budget intact, I can't ever go to the grocery store again. But what happened was I was walking through the grocery aisle and my wife said, would you go get me something? And I said, yep, what do you want? And she, she sent me for, I forget what, even what the item was. And she goes, there's gonna be two different or three different versions of it. Get the one that doesn't have the pretty label. Get the one that's a little bit cheaper. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at them. And literally what I said to myself is, she wants me to buy the Bobo brand. You know what Bobo brand is? Okay, this is gonna be a word that you're gonna put in your vocabulary with the kids now. There's sometimes you have to buy Bobo brand because you can't afford anything else. There's other times you just buy Bobo brand because it's cheap, right? 
but this is what I found out. Bobo brand in anything is not good, okay? Just not right. If Jesus wanted Bobo brand, he would not have invented Doritos. The, 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 the coating on doesn't taste, this tastes more like, like, like dirt. And this is beautifulness right here. I mean, like you put this in a taco salad, it is game on. I will lick my face till I got scars around it, right? Cause it's, it's that good. Or, or here, here's another one, right? Like, so I'm, I'm gonna let you guys know. Your pastor has some problems. So I've been, I've been beating it down. I've been, I've, been, I've been beating the old man down, but I am an Oreo cookie aficionado. Somebody say amen to that. I don't care if it's single stuffed or double stuffed. I don't care if it's the mid-filled one or when they bring out the Jesus-loving peanut butter ones, it's game on, right? Oreo. I don't know what devil in all of this world came out with a Bobo brand, but they're not even close. Like this right here, the outside is like, and then you, did you ever notice you buy Bobo brand, they're always soft? Oreos don't get soft until you dunk them in what? Milk, Milk, right? So that, right? Now, this is the worst one of all. This is the the absolute, without a shadow of a doubt, Pop-Tarts. I don't care what flavor of Pop-Tart. It can be strawberry. It can, be, it can be blueberry, it can be cinnamon. The only one I'm not a fan of is chocolate. I can do all these, I can do, watch this. This is how, I can do them hot or cold. I've been known on a, on a, Monday, a cold morning when I'm going hunting to take a pack of Pop-Tarts and put them on my, my defroster and warm them up and they are van tight, they just kind of, oop. The pastry's nasty. Like that, the, the, the outside part, paper mache. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I checked the ingredients out. It literally says paper, three parts paper mache. Well, it happened in my house. Maybe it's happened in your house before. My wife comes home and from grocery shopping one day. We have issues at this church. We talk a lot about food, don't we? I, you want to hear something funny? I, I, I'm going to get back to this. Remind me where I'm at, okay? I'm sitting there yesterday. Um, and so, by the way, one of the coolest days we've had, we had um, 14 million people down at our Sherwood campus yesterday. Um, no, we did trunk, uh, we, we call it, it was treat thy neighbor. It was like a trunk, trunk or treat. And since becoming a believer, I have never been to a, a, a trunk or treat. Like I know lots of churches do them as an alternative Halloween. That's, that's between them and Jesus and all that stuff. But I never, never, so it was my first one. And I'm telling you, it was my best one I've ever been at. And so it was just amazing. Um, but we had uh, probably 125 volunteers. You weren't there. Who was there? Anybody there besides me? We had, who's that? Okay. We probably had 125 volunteers or so. And there was probably 250 or 300 people from our community came through. And people just had an absolute blast the whole entire time. And so if you served in that, it was great. But this guy walks up to me and he goes, Pastor Bobby, he says, uh, he said, where's my donuts at? And I went, what? I've never seen this guy before in my life. He goes, where's my donuts at? I said, bro, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Did I promise you donuts? And I didn't like, did some, he goes, no, no, like, where's my donuts? Like from the message a couple, three weeks ago, where's my Krispy Kreme donuts? And I'm like, and I said, oh, so I was like, oh, you come to the Sherwood campus. He went, nope. I said, oh, you come to the Evans campus, right? Cause it's hard to know everybody, right? Evans, he's nope. I said, well, how'd you know about it? He goes, I've been watching online for five years, week after week, after week, after week. 
And so we wanna always welcome our online people. We wanna welcome our Sherwood team down there. And we wanna learn about God's word. So I'm gonna get back to this, ready? Okay, so I walk in the house, okay? I walk in the house and I see these on the countertop. Okay, don't just, don't go nowhere with this. You're way ahead of where I'm going. So, I, um, hey, Gina, are these cookies for me? Because sometimes she buys cookies for other people, right? Like, they're always for me. So I go, these cookies are on the counter. Can, can, I, can I have a couple of these cookies? And she said, yeah, you can have the cookies. Like, yeah. And so I'm looking at the box. What is that right there? Okay. And then it says, peanut butter. My two favorite things. Ginger, I, those ginger snap things, y'all like those? Like you pop them in the, right? So I grab one. That box looked weird. I walk up to the box. I'm telling you, I all but licked on this thing. Crunchy treats for dogs. I didn't realize we were doing crunchy treats for dogs in a human box right now. They used to be called milk bones and I knew what a milk bone was. And then I thought about it. We were trying to market everything to make it look and appear better than it really is. We just read a scripture a minute ago that the, about the enemies, it seeks to be like a roaring lion. First Corinthians says he masquerades as an angel of light. He looks like good Oreos, but he's not. He, look, he looks like the best Doritos there is, but he's not. And in our lives, we've gotta pay close attention to what we are calling truth and what we are allowing to impact our lives. And I'm afraid that there's so many times we're allowing the wrong thing to impact our lives. There's so many times we're allowing fake or untruth to come in our lives because we're almost to the point where we'll listen to anything that anybody's saying. If they have a TikTok, if they have a Twitter, if they have a Facebook, whatever type of social media, they are an expert even if they know nothing about it. And I'm afraid that we have allowed that to kind of come into the church. Come on, evil never looks like evil, does it? If it looked like evil, we would stay away from it. I've never met a drug addict that walked up one morning, woke up one morning and said, today's the day, I'm gonna be a drug addict. I've never met in my entire life anybody that woke up one morning and said, you know, today I'm gonna ruin my marriage today. I'm gonna have an affair. It's a slow burn that happens. It's a slow thing where the angel of death masquerades as an angel of light and he makes evil look really, if sin looked bad, we would never fall for it, would we? But because it looks like and it acts like, and it smells like, and it even has the packaging like, for some reason we think it must be true. It was interesting, because yesterday as I was walking around, a kid walked up to me, a young man walked, I guess he was a young man at first, I didn't know who it was, walked up to me, and he said, hey, Pastor Bobby, how you doing? I was like, hey, because he had a mask on. He was, he was like the Hulk. I didn't know who was underneath the mask, and he walked away, and his mom walked up, and she was kind of a little man, I mean, she was like, I, I don't like the way you treated my son. I'm like, how do I treat your son? Well, you didn't acknowledge him by name. Well, I don't acknowledge my kids by name sometimes because I forget them. <laughs> Come here, whoever you are. How I many moms and dads have done that before? But so, so the mom, I said, listen, I, he had his mask on. 
I didn't even know who he was underneath there. So he came walking back up and I was like, hey, still don't know your name, buddy. We, we live in a world, we talked a whole series about, we live in a whole world, it's like a huge masquerade party that we're, li- we're living in. And we have hid behind, you know, lust, lust. We call it, we, we, we hide behind and we call it, well, I have this love and affection for beauty. It's lust. When it's not done in God's parameters, God's way, it's lust. We, we, call it, we call it all kinds of things. We hide behind gossip in the church. We call it a prayer chain. Think about that. Let that just soak in for a second. We're going to pray for sister. Sister, yeah, she's got, you know what she's got. Next thing we call somebody else and we call somebody else. We've never gone back to the source. The sister, do you have that? I don't know what you're talking about. We just say, we, 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 but we, we hide behind it. It's a masquerade. We hide behind that mask, craving for power. We're seeing that lot in the world we live in, right? We're seeing almost every political power, every political side, every candidate. There, there's a craving for power. But you know what we call it? We call it leadership. We, we call things like pride. It's a love for wisdom. We're hiding behind a mask. We're hiding behind this masquerade. And, and it shouldn't surprise us if the father of the lies masquerades as an angel of light. I'm gonna make some bold statements today about what I believe to be truth. I'm not asking anybody to believe the way I believe. I'm asking you to investigate it. The Bible says when you search out God with all your heart, you will find him. The problem with the world that we live in is a lot of people aren't willing to search God out with their whole heart. They take bits and pieces just like what we're talking about today. It's important that we know, we study, we memorize, we learn from, we devour God's word. And I think the problem is, is a lot of us are going to other sources for our truth and it's leading us astray. I don't go to Facebook for my truth. I I don't go to Instagram to go, oh, this is my truth today. There's no other social media. You know what else? I don't go to political candidates for my truth. I don't, go to, I don't go to a Republican or a Democratic or a Libertarian party to find out my truth. My truth is found one place and it's God's Holy Scripture. That's it. You know why? Because the Bible has a better standard. The writer of it was perfect. Think about that for a second. The writer of it never lied. The writer of it keeps every promise. The writer of it sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, not trying to find, he did for us what we couldn't couldn't do for ourselves. That's why I believe in the Bible. I was on my sabbatical in the middle of my, a guy came up to me and and he said, he saw me at a a store one day and he actually saw me at a restaurant. I was talking to a person I get together with pretty frequently just to talk through life stuff. And this person, we'll call him a counselor. This counselor gave me a bunch of books to read during my sabbatical, things that would charge my batteries up. And this person saw that I had like five or six or seven books in my hand. And he asked if we can go out to lunch one day. And I said, yes, go out to lunch. And he's not a member of our church or anything. So it wasn't like I was doing ministry. I was just kind of hanging out with him. And he said, what's your favorite books? Well, I mean, I love reading. I mean, I read 30, 40, 50 books a year. I'm not like Alan. Alan Runner runs a book, reads a book a day. Like, I don't know how he does it. I don't think he comprehends it, though. <laughs> There's no possible way he can comprehend that much. Anyway, 
He's really smart. He's way smarter than I am. But so, I mean, there's lots of, like, I love, like, man, if you haven't read it, Andy Stanley's book, Choosing the Cheat, is a classic. It's one of the best books out there. It has nothing to do with cheating on your spouse. It has to do with who you're going to put first in your life. You're going to put God first. You're going to put other things first. And it's, it's a staple. I love, like, Oswald Chambers, classic writer of My Utmost First Highest. So I'm, I'm, I'm reading these things. Like, I love Andy Stanley's Deep and Wide. I love Craig Rochelle's book, The Weird. Like, they're, they're books that have impacted my life. Soul Rest is another one. It's just an amazing. So I'm going through this whole list of all the, anything by T.D. Jakes. Somebody say amen to that. Like, anything by T.D. Jakes, it's going to be on my reading list. Like, so I'm listening to all these books out, and I stop right in my tracks because he goes, what's your favorite book? And all of a sudden I went, the Bible. The Bible, that's it. He said, what about all those? No, the Bible. All those other ones are copies of what's going on in this book right here. They're all trying to interpret what's going on right here. And though they help me in my personal life, there's nothing that can take the place of God's holy word, the Bible. And so when I make bold statements, because I'm going to tell you, this is the bold statement. When we say that we surrender to God and his word and it transforms our life, that's why I believe in the Bible. I don't believe that the words, I think these are just words on a page. There's millions of copies out there. There's just, it's just words on the page. And yes, I understand 40 different authors, three different languages, 2000 years, collective group of people that all come together. You can't get three people in a room to agree on one thing and you're getting 40 people to write a consistency from, from Genesis to Revelation. It's the same thing. Thing. It's leading to one person, one moment in time, and that's Jesus Christ being born, the Savior of the world. That's it. That's it. That's it. There's nothing else. You can write a gazillion other books. If you're not reading this one, you're messing up. You're going to want one of these. Let me tell you why. The Bible teaches us what Jesus came to do. If you ever want to know why Jesus came, in a couple months, we're going to be celebrating Christmas. We're going to talk about the simplicity of Christmas, the classic Christmas, just what Jesus came to do. You know what Jesus came to do? He died on a cross for our sins. Spotless. Lamb of God without a wrinkle, the perfect, the perfect son. He was described as the breath of heaven. He's the hero of the story. Left the perfect place at the, at the foot, the, the throne, the right hand of the father, and he came down to die on a cross, a horrific death. He, he, he laid in the tomb for three days. He rose from the grave. In Acts chapter one, it says, the same Jesus you just saw go away is coming back. I have prepared a place for you. That's what Jesus, the Bible leads me to the Jesus of the everlasting. I, I, I love the way 2 Timothy says it. Chapter three, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you've learned it. And from, from, from how from childhood you have been equated, I love this, the sacred writings, thousands of years of sacred writings from Genesis, from the book of Moses and Moses out, he traveled from, from, from Egypt to Israel all the way to the book of Revelation with John on the island of Patmos, all of these, the sacred scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in, in Christ Jesus. 
And I love verse 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And I love this in verse 17. We're gonna talk a lot about this. And then the man, that man, that man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Can, can, I, just, can I just be really kind of transparent today? When I was 16 or 17 years old, and that's a long time ago, I know it seems like, but I believe there's some people probably in this room watching online, maybe at our Sherwood campus, that you feel the same exact way I felt when I was 16 or 17. And, and I had a skewed version of Christianity, just to be quite honest with you. I was raised in the church, I would go to, and I'm not gonna, like, this is not slam on somebody, I was raised in a denomination that we did catechism and First Holy Communion, and we learned all these different prayers but we were never taught to read the Bible. It wasn't like, and as a matter of fact, if you were told to read the Bible, or if I asked to read the Bible, you would actually get a list of catechism. You would get a book that would have all the teachings of this certain denomination. And I was confused. And let me tell you why I was confused, because there was this gaping hole in my life that I was trying so many different things and I couldn't figure it out. And, and you know what started happening? Because this is what I thought religion, this is where it was skewed. I thought religion was, if I do enough good things, it'll overshadow all the bad things. Anybody, anybody like that? You know what I'm talking about on that? Like if I do, cause I'm gonna do some bad, like everybody in the room is gonna do some bad things, right? Like my, my, this, this is so like, and please don't ever look down at me. Um, when I was 16, 17, I used to smoke. Both things. Some of you are going, what's he talking about? Mm, bless your heart. But I remember riding down the road in a 1976 green Chevrolet pickup truck. That's how vivid it is. And I'd be smoking both things. And I would halfway through, I would flick it out the window. And I, and I would have, if I had a pack of cigarettes, I would crumple them up and I would throw them out because I felt so guilty about the fact that I was doing that. And then I would have to go to the grocery store and I would like, I'm gonna buy 10 people something. I'm gonna go to you know, Waffle House and everybody's meals for free here because I was trying, because I did all these bad things over here. It was such a skewed version of what Christianity was. And I literally thought like you, you do a checkbook. I, I honestly thought if you had enough money in the account, the debts, whatever the bad things were, you were fine as long as there was more money in the counter. There were more good things. It's like doing a cost-benefit analysis. I have enough good things to outweigh all the bad things. But you know what I found out? As good as I could be, I still felt empty on the inside. There was something missing. I couldn't figure it out. At 17 years old, my junior year in high school, I went to a church with a friend of mine, Charlie Ware, who actually pastors a church. And Charlie... Um, at the end, of the, the end of the story, Charlie led me to Christ. But I was sitting there at Heightstown Church of God, a little small Church of God building in Heightstown, New Jersey. And I was sitting there and this preacher got up there and he started preaching about Jesus. And this is not a slam on anything or anybody else. For 16 or 17 years, I never heard the name of Jesus. I, I never knew the truth that he came to die on a cross for me, for my sins. I never knew that. I heard about all the people I was supposed to pray to. I heard how I was supposed to do a confession in behind a little room, but I never heard about the salvation of Jesus Christ. And the pastor laid one scripture down from the living Bible. And to this day, I'll, every time I read it, y'all, because that day was a defining moment for me. And it changed the trajectory of my life. This is what it says. It's in Romans chapter three. 
But now God has shown us a different way to heaven. When he said that line, I went, whoa, a different way to heaven. I've only heard about one way to heaven. I've only heard about my works being bit bigger and better than my, my, uh, my other stuff. All I heard about is you do more works, you do more works, you do these things, you feed homeless people, you go over to hate, you do all that stuff. He says, but God has shown you a different way to heaven, not by being good enough. Man. And trying to keep his laws, and I love this, but, but by a new way, through, though not, a real, not really a new way, scriptures told you about it long ago. He says, now God says, if he will accept, I love this, he will accept and acquit us, declaring us, not guilty. Amen. The light bulb went off. All these years I've been trying to get somebody to tell me I'm not guilty. And I thought by the amount of good works that I did, if I did enough good stuff, I would be not guilty. And all that was was making me more guilty. And it was in that moment, that split second, he's reading this passage, not guilty. And it says, if we trust Jesus Christ to take away our sins and we all can be saved in the same way by coming to Christ, no matter who we are or what we have been like, I love that, no matter who we are. And I'm sitting there going, you mean God forgets all this stuff over here? Let me just throw this out. I don't know where you're at right now. And I'm telling you, churches are filled with people that are still trying to do it the old way. And it's a new way, it's not that new. It's been around from the beginning of time. We read about it. There was a sacrifice in the book of Genesis that was a type of the sacrifice that we find in Jesus. It goes all through scripture. You can go in Exodus, you can see the, uh, the tabernacle of Moses where they sacrificed the lamb. Everything's leading up to this one moment in time of history where Jesus Christ comes to the world. If you've never made that decision to follow Christ, I would encourage you to look and search the Bible out for the Jesus of the Bible. Not the Jesus that your mom and dad taught you about, not the Jesus that some preachers talked about on TV, the Jesus that's found in the Bible that wants to take away all of your sins. See, the Bible talks to us about how to be saved. See, the, world, the world's idea of salvation is if I do enough, if I'm good enough, I'm a good person. Do you ever hear that? Well, he's a really good person. Well, I know he cheated on his wife and he extorted money, but he's a really good person. No, he's not. The Bible calls us and says this, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. The Bible teaches that we can't earn it. The Bible also, I mean, the, the world talks, talks about all religions lead to God. The Bible tells us that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light, and no man comes to the Father except for through me. I am the door, and all that enter in will find rest. That's Jesus. That's, the world says that the idea uh, that those, uh, you know, help themselves, right? Those who help themselves. But the Bible teaches that nobody can help themselves. That Jesus came to help those of us that couldn't help. As a matter of fact, he did what you, what you couldn't, for you what you couldn't do for yourself. He died on a cross. So the first thing, the reason I believe in the Bible, it leads me to the Jesus of the Bible. The second thing is the Bible shows us how to live. I mean, really Live. See, a lot of people think it's just about cleaning up on the outside. So um, about two weeks ago, I got a chance to speak in JSM. So if you don't know what JSM is, you gotta get involved with it. It's Journey Student Ministry. 
It's high school and middle school kids, and they are so fun. They're so cool. They love Jesus. They worship. I mean, it is just like, I wish this group of people right here that come on Sunday mornings would have the same. I mean, there is no inhibitions. They, they raise their hands. They shout. They scream. I, I think I saw somebody run an aisle one time. I mean, it's crazy. And, I mean, it's, it's crazy. But I had a chance to speak, so I'm up here speaking, and I was speaking about the unmasked thing, about integrity. And I asked the question, I'll ask you guys this question. How many people know what a senior superlative is? Anybody know what a senior superlative is? Anybody ever get a senior superlative or a superlative of any size? Raise your hand if you did, be proud of it. So I got three. My senior year, I got three. You'll never, I, I'll, I'll, so my first one I got was I got most athletic. Don't laugh, it's not funny. I used to be athletic. <laughs> my second one I got was class cutie. It was a small school. I get it. But my third one was, I got best dressed. Now you're looking at me like, what? Well, there's a reason. Our school uniform was flannel. So it was Levi's jeans. Did y'all go to this school too? Levi's jeans, tan Timberland boots, right? Untied, untied, right? Pants tucked in, right? Usually a jean, a denim jacket, a jean jacket. And back then it was cool. Some of your teenagers are going like, you're old. We would have all these buttons from all the different bands that we liked. Y'all remember that? Like we would have like Aerosmith and like Molly Hatchet and you know, Motley Crue and blah, 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 all the way down, right? And then you would have to wear the team jersey. The team jersey was your favorite rock band's t-shirt. So it would usually be like Led Zeppelin. It would be the big Zeppelin. It would be, it would be Kiss and it would just be the K-I-Z-Z. You know, it's all... I'm showing my age, aren't I? Van Halen would be one, right? So all these, right? So my senior year in high school, I go back after asking Christ to be my savior and I want people to know I'm different. Nobody ever trained me, nobody ever talked to me that it's the difference on the inside that matters, not the outside that matters. So I walk into school, I wore a suit and tie every day my entire senior year. Every day. Some days it was Don Johnson. Yeah. Right? Y'all with me? We went to Miami a couple weeks ago. I was singing the song. I'm not going to lie. Well, it's more like. I was tubs. Every day. You know why? I wanted people to know that something happened on the inside, but I didn't know how to tell them that. And then all of a sudden it hit me. It's in the Bible. It teaches us how to live. Not just how to get to eternity, not just a, a fire escape from hell. It teaches us how to live on this side of eternity. All scripture is breathed, in verse 16, out of God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, complete. That means he knows what's right and wrong. He knows how to live, equipped for every good work. This is why the enemies of the Bible are so strong against the Bible, because if you read it, it'll change you, won't it? And you'll never be the same. And people anti-Bible, they see God changing somebody and right away they push back, they push back. God forbid we get it back in the schools and our kids change. God forbid something else happens you know, in, our, in our society and, and we use it as the, as the rule. God forbid, because somebody's gonna push back because lives will be changed. Let me tell you what happens. The Bible, oh my gosh, the Bible is a source. Somebody say amen to this. The Bible is a source of practical wisdom, which we have none left in the world we live in. 
We used to call it common sense. And let me tell you, I can watch TV and watch ads for about five minutes and know there's no more common sense in the world we have. Psalms 19.7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. I love this. Making wise the simple. Taking the simplest of things. So I love the way Herbert Hoover said. He said, define wisdom as knowing what to do next. Wow, wisdom is not about IQ. Wisdom is not about the degrees you have. Wisdom is about if you know what... You ever had a decision to make? What school to go to? Who to date? Who to marry? How to spend your money? How to get out of debt? What should I do with my career? How, how should I raise my kids? How can I get my marriage back on track? See, these are all things, if we go to God's word, there's teachings about every one of those things in God's word that'll help us, it teaches us how to live. It's practical wisdom. I don't know who to hang out with. How many, how many times have you ever had a kid or maybe you've said it, I just thought, I don't know, like, should I be hanging out with the person? If you have to ask, probably no, by the way. And if you have to ask if it's right or wrong, it's probably wrong. Somebody say, right, right. Sit there and go, I wonder if this is right or wrong. It's in God's word. Psalms 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And it says this, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It gives us a roadmap for our lives. You know, there's another thing it does. It gives us purpose. One of my favorite passages is Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. And it just says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that anybody should boast. Verse 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I, I just feel like there's, I want you to know that God has a design plan for your life. There's a thumb, I have a friend of mine that's an artist. He's a photographer. And he has thousands of pictures. I've gone to his gallery a couple times, thousands of pictures. But when he's asked to come to a show, they usually limit it to him about 20 pictures. You can bring about 20 of your best pictures. So he's got to go through every one of his pictures and he picks up the 20 best. And when I read for God, we are God's workmanship created to him. You know what I see? You are God's very best. Every time, every time he does something, he says, I'm going to pull out my very best. I'm going to pull out Christian. This is my very best right here. Now I'm going to pull out this situation. And you're like, I'm going to pull this, pull this out. And, and then he talks about, and I love this phrase. He says, he says, good works, which God prepared in advance. And, and some of you are going, uh, he didn't know I was going to mess up that bad. Now he may not have orchestrated your mess up, but he can navigate around it. Somebody say amen to that. He is not limited by your mistakes. As a matter of fact, he still takes mess ups and turns them into masterpieces. Last time I checked, thank you, Jesus. And he still takes moments in my life that I have screwed up, that I've made mistakes, that I've fallen short of his glory. And he takes those and somehow or another still makes his name famous through those because we're God's workmanship created to do good works in Christ. And the third thing is this. And this sounds so simplistic. And I apologize if today just seems so. I believe the Bible flat out works. <laughs> I just believe it flat out works. 
I don't think it's a good book just to have around that we should put it on the end table and every once in a while we dust it off and we kind of do that, you know, that like whatever God you want to speak to me thing. I think when we apply the, 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 the strategies, the, 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 the principles of the Bible, it changes us. Yeah. All scripture, verse 16, is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, training, righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. One of my favorite passages, you may wanna write this down, maybe study it this week, maybe kind of just have it in your forefront, maybe in your car, put it on the car, but it says in Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. It's separating and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And I love where it says living and active. A couple of years ago, I had an opportunity to do something and go back to a place I haven't been back to since I was a kid. I grew up in New Jersey. We used to go to the city quite a bit. New York City was about 45 minutes to an hour from where we lived. Um, A couple years ago for my wife's 25th birthday, she may be watching. Um, I wanted to take her to New York City. And so a friend of ours has, had a house up there, an apartment, and he gave us the apartment. And one of the things I wanted to do, I, I wanted to go have real pizza again and all that kind of stuff, the things that you can only get in New York City. And, and so we did all that. But I really wanted to go to, to 9-11, uh, the, the memorial and the monument. And um, I don't know about you guys, if you've ever been up there, it just, even when I'm talking, I talked about it this morning, it just left a, a lump in my throat. And, but I didn't realize I was going to be that moved as I was the day I walked into that room. And then maybe if you've been up there, you know what room, it's the auditory room. It's where you're hearing the messages, the voicemail messages of the people that were sending them to their family members after they had realized the plane had crashed into both of the buildings. And there was things like, Sean, I love you. And it was just, tell my kids. This past week, I was reading about it, and Deborah Hastings of the Associated Press, she wrote this. She says, of all the five senses, none save smell evokes more visceral emotion response than hearing. Think of the transporting power of a certain melody or the life-affirming joy of hearing a child laugh deep and hard and then multiply it exponentially. Some of these people that had these voicemails have listened to them thousands of times now since that day. They've given them to family members. They've been written out and they're made um, decorations in their house, big walls with the last words that they said. Nikki Sylvia of the Sonic Memorial Project, they're the ones that are the, in charge of making sure all this memorabilia stays intact and it doesn't ever get lost. This is what she says. It's such a powerful, powerful thing. Photographs freeze a moment but when you hear a person's voice, they're breathing, they're alive, they're in there. Living and active. That's what this is. Every time I read it, I hear the voice of Jesus telling him how much, telling me how much he loves me whether it's a reading in the book of Genesis or it's a reading in the book of Revelation, this book 
right here that we say we surrender to, when we surrender to it, will change our lives and we will never be the same. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this moment. Thank you because your Holy Spirit's here. The Holy Spirit that's talked about, by the way, in this book. That you said you would send the comforter, you'd send the convictor. And God, there's all kinds of groups of people here today. Maybe there's some that are, for the very first time, acknowledging you, Jesus. Maybe they're crossing that spiritual line of saying, and they're going to they're give their lives to you. They're going to they're they're allow you to be Lord and God of their lives. And for others, it's we've kind of walked away. We've even kind of, kind of become numb to the world and we forgot how important your word is. God, I pray today all of us would be drawn not to the words and pages, but to the Jesus that's found in this book. The Jesus that has the power to transform our lives, to take adulterers, to take idolaters, to take addicts to take all types of people and make them brand new. Second Corinthians, I will make you brand new. And that has the, the truth and the promise that we find in the word. That's why we can make those bold statements. So today, in Jesus' name, we pray that that would happen, that you were honored in everything we said and did. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help talking about your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.com.